Annyeonghaseyo. Welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So happy, happy day. Yeah. How is everyone? Good. I probably sound worse than than I feel, but we are no longer wearing masks at my school, which is fine. It's a thing that happened. And I've been so worried about getting the norovirus that spread through another school in my district that shut the school down that I was not planning on getting, you know, punched in the face by just the common cold. So that's back now. So that's a lot of fun. (laughs) I know I can hear it in your voice, unfortunately. But like I said, I feel better than I sound. So hopefully my voice makes it through the entire pod. It makes you sound sexy. Ooh, well, kind of does. All right, because I, I, I need to sound a... more like a man than I already do. Like, like my no, voice is you so don't deep. sound like a. No, you sound that's a sexy voice. It sounds like a jazz singer. Ooh, all right, yeah. And I am buzzed, which <laughs> I was not intending <laughs> to be. Just let just put it out there. I went to a tiki bar on the wharf that had a spinning bar, and I had. Spinning, spinning, right? It sounded like you said spitting. It was. Oh, no, it was not spitting. It was spinning in a slow circle, which really just, you know, I like it and don't like it all at the same time. I like it because it's like, this is fun. And then I don't like it because sometimes I'm like, I feel like maybe I'm overthinking and getting motion sickness, even though we're moving at like a snail's pace. Yeah, I was gonna say like, how this is very slow. When you pay attention to it, though, like, I've been on those like we we were at a conference that had one of those. I don't remember which city it was in where the hotel had a rotating bar on the top. And it's like... Oh, right. Yeah, they do have those. When you notice it, I think it can fuck with you. Yeah, it can throw you off a bit. And then there were also... So it's on the wharf. And so there's also, like, intermittent little windows on the floor where you can look down and see the sea lions and things. Mm, which I, is that cool. Would make me That's a no. Yeah. But I was a little bit like, woo, I've had, like, two drinks. Yeah, and that's then a no for me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's where I'm at to discuss... The, and be very intellectual tonight. Yeah. <laughs> can you be a little bit louder? I need your mic a little bit closer. I can be as loud as you that, want. See, that, that sounds actually really good right there. Okay. I'll be talking like this all night. Like you're doing your own little, uh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi. Okay, I'm uncomfortable. Feel so good. Stop. It feels so good to some ASMR now. Okay. Stop. Stop. I'm uncomfortable. Oh, see, ASMR is good. I was going more like 80s uh, phone sex worker. <laughs> Do you want to slide off your uh, Adidas? <laughs> your track pants. Be like, let me, get let me take another sip of my bone broth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have frosted tips? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can really, I really feel like I could like be making a second career out of that tonight. Frosted mm-hmm. tips. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Megan. I'm so sorry. What are you? Ta- why are you apologizing to me for? I because will, your made, face, your face looks full of judgment. Both of you, it made me a little uncomfortable. I was like, all right, now I'm feeling weird. I do like ASMR though. Were you just? Were you feeling left out? Is that what it was? No, I. Here, just reach down and make your scalp tingle. <laughs> tingle, tingle, tingle. <laughs> no, I actually follow this ASMRtist. I think you say it. 
on YouTube and she she's really cool. I, I really am curious like where she lives and like her hobbies or whatever because she basically has this entire I room. Her, her hobby is a- where does she live? Her hobby is her hobby is ASMR. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, because her whole her whole house is like steampunk. Her, her, the whole room that she has that she does her like ASMR is like steampunk stuff. So she's got like the outfits. She's got like the goggles, the goggles. And so she has this a, a few videos where she just has like the lenses from the goggles. And I'm talking she has like a tray, like a desk size tray that has like all the different lenses in them. And she just like picks them up and puts them back in. And the clinking of these like lenses is awesome like i definitely get like the tingles she is so cool and she has this like i don't really know she has like a weird accent and i i I definitely think it's like her i don't think it's natural like i think she's like trying to do this like french accent but it is a little off i don't really care but she's from jersey probably she's (laughs) (laughs) but she honestly has the coolest shit like her all her clothes she does like she'll do like fashion trial like she'll like you know personal attention where she's like trying on these steampunk gowns you know and with like corsets it's the coolest shit i I want to i want to know where you find the time to find <laughs> all the shit that you find on YouTube. I'm, on YouTube. I'm a big, that's, if I'm, okay, so at night I watch K-dramas, and then. In the day you watch K-dramas. No, 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 <laughs> well, no. But then usually right before yes. I go to bed, that's when I'm watching, like, I'm, like, half asleep, and I'm watching, that's when I'm in, like, the YouTube rabbit hole, and I'm watching the weirdest shit, the weirdest shit. And a lot of those is then, like, the artists and, Yeah. Because I'm up until like midnight, like I don't, or shipwrecks or shipwrecks. Oh yeah, I'm I mean, up that was until midnight, whole... but I don't. I yeah, I I don't know. I'm I I don't understand. YouTube is like a is a, just a total rabbit hole for me. I kind of love it. Speaking of other things that we love, can we just talk about Girl Scout cookies? Because I don't oh. want this to go unnoticed before we get into the. Drama. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I actually posted about this on Facebook, and I honestly did not think as many people would comment on this. Oh, post I missed this. Did, I'm but, excited to hear. Well, basically. A Girl Scout came to the door. And, okay, I will say I was napping. And I'll, I, we had my son's soccer tournament. God, you really have, like, the best I, life. Seriously. She <laughs> naps and watches YouTube. This was on, this was on That's Sunday. That's Megan's whole we life. Had, <laughs> yeah, we had my son's soccer tournament. We were up at, like, the butt crack of dawn on Sunday. And then we got back, and I was, like, so freaking tired. So I took a nap. And while I was napping, a Girl Scout came to the door. And when I came downstairs, you know, Neil told me I bought some Girl Scout cookies. And I was really excited turns out he bought only one box of thin mints and one box of tagalongs that's it that's one serving each i was like (laughs) what the hell like why are you so stingy about stuff like that like you know what i mean like that but you'll buy like leah's top chef episode like in a heartbeat but you're gonna be stingy that was a good episode (laughs) neil i appreciate and approve of that purchase that episode will keep on giving whereas those cookies are gonna be gone in five minutes neil neil you open those thin mints and you eat a sleeve and you rewatch <laughs> Maui Wowie. Well, he was like, I only had a 50. And I was like, then spend. <laughs> I only had a 50. So he's like, Girl Scout, give me the time. I want to see this change. Girl making change no, no, no. for a 50. No, no, no. He, he, he had a 10. Oh, okay. And then the only other bill, because they're $5 a box. Gotcha. So the only other bill he had was a 50. And I was like, then you should have spent 
Tyler's like, fuck it. You should have spent $50. He's like, that's 10 boxes. I'm like, exactly. Isn't that the normal? I mean, this is what I want to hear from listeners. What is the normal order that you would put in for the Girl Scout cookies? Yeah. Because two does feel underwhelming. Yes. And is this like, do they have Girl Scouts in Canada, right? The Girl Scout program? I think they have Girl Scouts everywhere, but I don't do know about the cookies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. In Australia, they're Girl Guides. Do they have cookies? I don't think so. Okay. If anyone can prove me wrong, please yeah, let me know. Also, but I let don't us know like if you have Girl Scout cookies in your country because they are a thing here and rightfully so. And those are my two favorite flavors, the ones that Neil got. I know. Which is why I'm like one box are, each. Tagalongs samosas? No, Tagalongs are the peanut butter chocolate ones. Oh, gross. <gasps> no. Oh Ugh, I hate those. Frozen, and frozen put... too. No! Yes! No, see? Yes! No, he put the Tagalongs in yes. the freezer and I got so no, mad. No, I ate them frozen. No. Anything is. The peanut butter has to be creamy. No. 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 Both of them in the freezer. No. Thin mints go Thin in the mints, freezer, but Tagalongs Thin mints don't. go in the freezers and so do samosas, which are my favorite. I do I don't like put samosas. samosas in the freezer, I though. I like them, but I don't put them in the freezer. No, because the caramel gets hard. Oh, I guess that would yeah. be good. That would be good. And then I weirdly, I mean, I was born a grandma, I guess, but I like the shortbread. I like the shortbread. I make shortbread. I wouldn't spend $5 on the shortbread. But the right. Tagalongs, absolutely <gasps> oh, not. Those are my two favorites. Oh, yeah, the mints and Tagalongs yeah, are my two faves. I'm just, I'm just really disappointed that that was all he got. I am too. Neil, Neil, this is your wig of the finger I from know. the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to Enjoy eating your sleeve in like two minutes. <laughs> Then Hazel, Hazel grabbed three tagalongs, and I was like, "Oh, hell no!" <laughs> I was like, "You're lucky. I'm. You're lucky. I'm not cutting it in half and only giving you half. Three at God. one time? Are you? Kidding? Did you ever watch the Mickey Mouse a tagalog? <laughs> Did you ever watch the Mickey Mouse? Uh, what is it called? Jack and the Beanstalk? This is a little obscure, but this moment lives in my mind, and I think about it more than I should. Really? For what? <laughs> yes. So in the Mickey Mouse. Jack of the Beanstalk episode, uh -huh. they're really poor at the beginning and they have to slice a loaf of bread, like a slice of bread uh -huh. and they slice it and it's so thin that you can see through it. Uh... And then they take a single pea and like put it in the middle of the bread. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it left. I don't know why I'm even talking about this, but that's how I was thinking of the Tagalog. You could just get out like the precision like razor right. and just get like a little wafer thin. She gets like a tiny see-through bit of the cracker. Like I just, I, I, yeah, when she, when she, I like seriously yelled when I saw her have three, I was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> do not take three cookies. You know, you can, you I know, know you okay, can so order them online now. I know. Someone said that, oh, but I it's didn't like, know she, that. it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Like she came to the door. Yeah. I think they would taste different. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so okay i will give a special prize to whoever can make the best segue from this conversation to the drama we're doing today so speaking of no it was i was gonna try, I, was, I mean i'm no, out i was, just, I don't I was know. Also, speaking of things that are american and might exist in other countries <laughs> <laughs> that is no, not a good no, no you do not no. win a special prize what is the prize <laughs> i need better motivation it's whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> I have like the bad tingles. <laughs> how about okay? I'm trying to think of how I can like put this together. I have many different thoughts in my brain. Girl Scout cookies are an experience that is sweet yet 
afterwards when you're done you can feel kind of bad okay how about this speaking <laughs> no. of no no that was worse no <laughs> i actually got a comment like that from when i was looking for an agent for my writing i got a comment like that from an agent who called me like wanted to have a phone call i was like oh this is the call and the call was to say your books are sweet like candy but then when i'm done i feel kind of <laughs> kind of empty and bad afterwards oh god yes. she called yes. to tell you that like, the basically the basically yeah the basically like my books were sweet with no substance so there there you go there's my elevator pitch y'all for my books first of all that's a lie <laughs> okay i got it i got it wait, wait, i got wait, it no no no. i have one too okay so, okay okay so speaking of <laughs> tagging along uh, speaking of tagging along <laughs> speaking of men who don't get the cookie <laughs> She just made this beautiful drama dirty. Speaking of men who don't get to taste the cookie. She didn't say taste. I did. I just took it there. There's no lick of this cookie. (laughs) They may make it to the bakery, but they don't get the cookie. Oh, my God. And you know what? And then Girl Scout cookies to me, they're like a little bit of sunshine. <laughs> there you go. Yours is so much better. That's all we needed. <laughs> all right. So <sighs> during the United States's expedition to Joseon, also what is now known in part as South Korea, in 1871, a fugitive slave boy boards a warship and goes to America. So as an adult, a U.S. citizen and a member of the Marine Corps, he returns to his home country as Eugene Choi, an American soldier stationed in the country. And this is a time when the newly independent kingdom was freed from centuries of Chinese Qing domination, is struggling to resist Japanese aggression against its fragile independence. So Choi's bitterness and ill intentions against the land of his birth are just festering beneath this very calm and incredibly attractive exterior until he meets a surprising young woman from the noble class, the same class he holds responsible for the violent deaths of his parents. And this is a woman who might ride in a planquin and pretend to be a quiet, unassuming, wealthy young woman, but by night she's clambering on rooftops with her sniper rifle as a member of an underground rebel network. And he falls for her. But he isn't alone. She is also loved by her heart of gold fiance and a Yakuza boss whose heart is a black hole of emotional boo-boos. But make this love square a love pentagram because we also have an enigmatic and beautiful hotel owner who might flirt and gossip, but is also a master swordswoman. So in this drama, there is lots of love, but no one's really happy. (laughs) Released in 2018, this is a drama that was the work of screenwriter Kim Eun-suk and director Lee Eun-bok, and their third collaboration after Descendants of the Sun and Goblin, The Great and Lonely God. And it's a sweeping saga of a drama that follows these five protagonists, as well as members of the American legation to Joseon, members of the Righteous Army, the Joseon Rebels, a Yakuza gang, as well as the crumbling Joseon court. So is this a happy drama? Yeah, no, not at all. But does it have humor? 
Absolutely. It's very, very funny. It's very, very sad. And it's a tremendously poignant 30-hour epic that was somehow produced on a $30 million budget. And it's a drama that really doesn't easily fit into labels or boxes. Brooks Riley, a columnist for the blog Three Quirks Stately, says, Masterpiece Theater meets Gone with the Wind seems a sorry way to try to pigeonhole this epic series. And there are those who might want to relegate it to the level of soap opera and costume. Mr. Sunshine is operatic, yes, but there's not a soap bubble in sight in this multifaceted, extravagant, scrupulously constructed tale of Korea at the turn of the last century. I can't believe that they did this on a $30 million budget. I did not know that. That's bananas. Mm -hmm. I was actually just going to say that. That's crazy. I thought this was like a huge, big budget thing. Yeah, it just felt mm, like, yeah, completely cinematic. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with a non-spoiler section to discuss this drama, where we'll talk about aspects of the plot, but we're not going to give away big surprises. So if you have not watched Mr. Sunshine, you can stick around for this section because, you know, we're going to leave a lot of surprises in store for you. And then we'll clearly pivot and signal that pivot when we go to the spoiler section. So the first question that I have to ask is to myself, and that is Leah. How does it feel to have had the love for this drama burning in your heart for a full year while Amy and Megan kept putting off watching it. (laughs) Calling us out. Leah, thank you for asking that question. That's really great. It was hard. It was really hard, especially because I watched it not once, but twice alone without my co-host watching it. And I would say things like, well, my favorite drama is Mr. Sunshine. And then there would be a sound like this. (laughs) which is crickets (laughs) so and then i'd be like you know like there's characters in this drama that like have stuck with me and live in my soul now and you know they'd be like that's nice so let's talk about this other thing (laughs) that's nice (laughs) (laughs) so here's a question i have Mm -hmm. megan Mm -hmm. you don't love historicals but you enjoyed mr sunshine what would you say to others like you who aren't running to watch, you know, a Joseon era drama, but might genuinely enjoy this one if they give it a chance? So we actually had this conversation sort of privately, too, because so I would say, first of all, there are two things that made this my kind of historical. So first, it was deeply rooted in real important history that had me researching the actual events like as I watched. And also this drama is set in the early 1900s. And so for me, that didn't necessarily feel all that historical. (laughs) Like, I mean, it was not that long ago. It wasn't all kings and courts and such. It wasn't... There weren't hats to confuse you? Yeah, there weren't a lot of hats. There were so many hats. (laughs) But there were real political implications in this drama that we are still feeling the effects of today. And so as a history minor, that's always going to be like right up my alley. And on a more shallow note, there was action. (laughs) So a lot of action. And so sure, there was like political maneuvering, but there were also like gunfights and fistfights. And it was a historical that was far from dry. And I will say that that was my concern. I would say that anything I saw of Mr. Sunshine looked really serious and dry. And while it was serious, it was not dry. It was full-hearted, tons of like 
funny moments. It was perfect. In honesty, it was it's the type of historical that I want to watch, which I think as we talked about, like, I like Gladiator. I like 300. I really do like often, not that Gladiator was like super historically correct, but, you know, there was like Emperor Commodus, you know, Marcus Aurelius, that kind of stuff. So anything that matches up with real events, I'm always going to love it. And Amy, you've seen more Kim Un-suk dramas than the rest of us. How is Mr. Sunshine very much in keeping as one of her dramas, but also how is it a big departure? So I had to like check her her list to see how much I've watched. And I mean, like, I, I have. I've watched a lot. Like Goblin has been my top drama since I was a wee baby drama watcher many, many months ago. <laughs> I mean, it's only been a little over a year. But and after that, I vowed to watch all things Kim and Sook because that drama just, you know, hit me right at my core. So from Secret Garden to Heirs to Descendants of the Sun, The King Eternal Monarch, I think the only drama of hers I have not watched where she was a writer on all the episodes is one called Lovers in Prague from 2005. But I think I have to go check that out now. And I knew that after Goblin, that with Kim and Sook, I should expect epic love, epic loss, and an epic episode 11. <laughs> Which now I'm like, I didn't pay attention to that because every episode of Mr. Sunshine is epic. And I knew I'd get comedy along with my tragedy, but that at the end of the day, I'd be happy with how things turned out. And I will say that this is how I felt watching most of her other dramas. Descendants of the Sun was missing the epicness for me, but that's, you know, that's just, that's me. I know a lot of people love this drama and no artist is going to hit like all of their, you know, viewers the same way every time and that's fine and if you love descendants of the sun i'm not trying to yuck your yum it just didn't hit me the way that goblin or king or heirs did but still i thought goblin was her pinnacle then i watched mr sunshine and folks i don't even know what to do with myself now like it had everything i wanted but was even better than i anticipated this is 24 episodes and leah said 30 hours and every second of every one of the 24 episodes was necessary, poignant, emotional, funny, heartbreaking, hopeful. I mean, this drama must have been so fulfilling, but also so depleting for her to write. And when I first experienced Goblin, I thought, that's what I want to be able to do with my writing when I grow up. I want to be able to move people to laughter and to tears like that. And then I watched Mr. Sunshine, and now I'm well aware that Kim Eun-suk is basically just existing on another plane, and we are lucky to witness her work. You know, I think to say that it's similar to her other stuff is true because it does have that, like, that boldness, that epicness to it. But I, I really do think that this is kind of like a magnum opus. Like, I think that she'll still do amazing things to come, but I think that this is probably one of the most gorgeous, sweeping, epic stories that anybody can ever tell. And I'm so grateful that she told it. And who would like to apologize to me now? <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. I actually truly am because I don't know. I do think maybe though I watched it at the right time for me. Yeah. I think I did have to be ready in my like kind of K-drama watching journey. And I'm not sure that I was ready for it earlier. But I do apologize for, again, like kind of not trusting you. And again, thinking it was like, dry or it was so amazingly epic and i still think about it all the time i loved it so much and i would say too i'm the host on this podcast who isn't 
the biggest Kim Eun-suk fan. Like, I think you all know, like, Goblin isn't one of my top dramas, and either is The King. I mean, I like them, but they're not... Why do you have to keep not... hurting me like that? I know, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But I guess my point is just that this was a whole nother plane of existence of a drama for me. Right, it truly was. And, like, yeah. and I do apologize to Leah. I mean, I think I think the, the length of it was daunting. That's another thing it was, yeah. And my fear, like, my fear of not loving something that you love so much, I think also made me very hesitant. But then, as far as being in the right place to do it, like, I just finished reading Pachinko. Like, I was well immersed in the recent history of Korea. And, I mean, I was ready to kind of stay there and, like, dig deeper. And it just, everything just sort of, you know, aligned at the right time. So I'm happy that I just read Pachinko, just watched Mr. Sunshine, and now can watch Pachinko very, very soon. Yes. Yeah, I still have to read Pachinko. But again, I kind of needed a little bit of a like <laughs> almost Korean history break after Mr. Sunshine. Like I need because <laughs> it, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. But yeah, I need a little bit of break. But I am going to start Pajinko. But it was, yeah, incredible. And yeah, the length was daunting. And I and I was also worried, like, what if I don't like it? But I mean, I've always been honest on this podcast, even if you guys love something like like say goblin like i have been honest about what i like and, and don't like but i didn't i was just so hesitant like i t- couldn't crush because <laughs> for her it was like <laughs> i don't know but i was just worried but it worked out so gimon suk is also known to be a very commercial writer and she once said and this is a english translation quote drama is not an art but an hour-long entertainment i don't believe i should try to do art with other people's money so I thought that was a really interesting quote. And as writers of commercial fiction, how does this statement resonate or not? First of all, I think it's funny that she said this when I 100% see Mr. Sunshine as a work of art. Again, it's a translation. So I don't know if she's being too humble or if she doesn't actually realize that others perceive what she does as artistic. Personally, I think writing in and of itself is an art form. And I'm proud that I can do it on any level. I might not be writing something that is, you know, super literary or full of deep meaning beyond what's on the page, but isn't anything that we create from nothing some sort of art, I guess. And as far as trying to make art with other people's money, I just try and write the best story I can within the genre that I'm writing. And I think it's okay if we want to try and push boundaries and try new things, but also to want to try and make a living at it. I don't think art becomes not art anymore when you get paid to do it, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I actually completely agree with what you said. I think something can be art and commercial at the same time. Yeah, and I think that's maybe what is coming up against is that idea that you put something in that's tropes or has certain elements Mostly I'm just falling back on tropes really in commercial fiction that can make people denigrate it more like, oh, well, poo poo, you know, I don't watch dramas because of that or I don't read, you know, romance or other forms of commercial fiction because of that. And so, yeah, I think it's interesting, like her take on the sense that these are also, you know, to put on something like this, you're getting quite an investment from a studio. And so she's like, you know, what I need to be doing is like giving the people what they want. Right. And so I can see how there's like that tension where that can be like that's inherently in some ways non-experimental because you're not wanting to to push boundaries and you're not make. But I guess that's where I fall back on this idea of art is such a broad term. And you can have art that is very unifying and you can have art that's very divisive intentionally. And you can have art that is going to be more for, you know, the masses, for lack of a better word. But I feel like there's something different from like, yeah, Mr. Sunshine. And like, I'm going to call out an artist 
I feel kind of bad, but like, I think it's a good example. Like something like Thomas Kincaid, who you, know, <laughs> yeah. you go to the mall and there's yeah. like the Thomas Kincaid art. Hmm. And is it art? Yes. I think there's probably a rich text to critique in like the Thomas Kincaid, like, you know, Jesus's light art that happens like in his work. But like, you know, I'm not going to like go to an art museum and like see, like, you know, it's different. But this feels like a more muddled line to me than that. You know, it doesn't feel like I'm going to Target and buying, you know, like a hashtag blessed sign to hang up <laughs> over my couch. <laughs> so I think it's just interesting because, yeah, I mean, like I see where she's coming from. And I also think that it's it's just not as I think it's a whole podcast to actually have a conversation like yeah. that. It's not something that we can reduce to like a simple soundbite. Mm. But even what we just talked about, that was interesting. I'm glad. And so, Megan, how do you feel like this drama deepened your understanding of the Korean concept of Han? <sighs> okay, so we've mentioned Han before on the podcast. But to sum up, although Han is considered indefinable, it is often described as an internalized feeling of deep sorrow, resentment, grief, regret, and anger. This is a uniquely Korean concept that also describes the loss of identity. And I think that that loss of identity and the loss of like the Korean identity and culture is what I most came to understand a little bit better after watching this drama. Because while I read the definition of Han and, and like kind of grasped, like I read it, I understood it. I never really could feel it, I guess, until watching Mr. Sunshine. You know, the pride the characters have in their country while understanding both its faults and strengths was really palpable. I felt like I was with the characters, like holding on to Joseon Korea as it slipped through my fingers like sand. Like I got the resentment, the regret, and the loss of identity more than I ever anticipated. And, and can I fully understand Han as an American? No. Like I'm not saying that I can fully understand it to any degree but i will say that this drama showed me the concept and made me feel it better than any written definition ever could so okay on a scale of one being a juicy plum and 10 being a strip of beef jerky <laughs> amy how dehydrated were you by the end of mr sunshine compared to goblin <laughs> This is a really tough comparison because it's a different type of dehydration, I think, with both. Like, I think I was pretty much jerky in both, like, as I was in Goblin with Mr. Sunshine, but it was a different kind of jerky. I don't know. Maybe one was turkey jerky and one was beef jerky. I don't know. Maybe one was spicier <laughs> than the other. I'm not sure. But, like, turkey jerky. <laughs> like, Goblin was basically... A love story, right? In a super slow burn of a love story that just when you, you know, get the payoff, the biggest tragedy imaginable happens. And it's so painful. And, you know, Ear Muffet and Count to Ten, if you haven't seen Goblin, as I mentioned, one tiny part from the end, okay? Cover your ears, Count to Ten. But something about Gong Yu losing his shit emotionally just triggers me into not just my own ugly cry, but like an empathy sort of ugly cry that just breaks me. With Mr. Sunshine, I knew going in it that it, it couldn't end well. Like it would not have been true to history if it did. And I literally had just finished reading Pachinko, like I said before, when I started watching this drama. So I was already immersed in the tumultuous and tragic recent history of Korea. And I knew Mr. Sunshine could not be a happy ending because, well, Leah told us it would break us. So I was, you know, it was not going to be a happy ending. But also... Like I said, it wouldn't have held to the time period if it ended on a happy note when really it was just the beginning of so much suffering for 
you know, so much new suffering, I should say, for the Korean people. So yeah, it was it was beef jerky for both, but I think I was more emotionally braced for Mr. Sunshine than I was for Goblin, but that doesn't mean that it didn't break me because like seriously, I finished it yesterday afternoon and that's all I've been thinking about all day. Like mm-hmm. at work, it's all I've been thinking about. Like I'm not going to be able to get over this for a while. Okay. So this is a question for both of you. This drama has a fantastic and unlikely bromance at its core. And in an earlier pod, I forget, like, I feel like it was like six months ago or so, we did a Merry Mate and Murder podcast. And I personally went with a Mr. Sunshine trifecta. And what I said was, I would marry He Sung. I would mate. Oh, I would mate. Dong Mei. <laughs> And look, hard questions come with hard answers. And I would murder Mr. Sunshine himself, Eugene Choi. So how do you two land on this question without giving spoilers? Well, I first want to say that you really need to tell me whenever there's a bromance. Like if you would have... I wasn't prepared for this. Why right? was that not in your cell to, to me? Not, why <laughs> right? not? She never said a word that these guys were going to be like they were. I fucking loved every time they were on screen together. It made me so happy. That was part of like the humor and the heart of the drama. Oh my God, I love them so freaking much. That was the best part is they're just this like weird trio that never would have been in the same room together. (laughs) No. In like any other world. And it was just so... uh, I love them. Anyway, so... I actually feel, I, I, I think I would choose what Leah did. So I would murder Mr. Sunshine. I'm sorry, Eugene, but like we always knew that it was going to go this way. And <laughs> mate Dong May because I mean, uh, I just, I just, yeah. Lith is like double swords at his hip. I mean, just, oh God. And his hair. Sweaty, yeah, sweaty, sweaty open, open chest. chest. Oh, half my ponytail. God. I loved his half ponytail. That voice. And then I would marry He Sung. And so here's the thing, because I was like, when I started watching or when he first he doesn't come on the drama until like a few episodes in I think I don't think he's like in it you know right away and when he first appeared on screen I was just very meh about him and I'm like you know I'm gonna trust Leah I'm gonna trust Leah and then of course he came through and he ended up being one of my favorite characters I absolutely love what the drama did with his character and so yeah he was just so charming I love him so much so yeah Mary he's Yay. 100%. I was so thrown by the bromance because I did not. Right. I, like the way that Leah told us about Dong Mei, like I thought he was just villain like through and through and that he was going to like, I just, yeah, I was not expecting these three men and how they were going to relate to each other. And it was definitely the highlight of the drama for mm-hmm. me. But this is also a shitty question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a shitty, shitty yeah. question. So Meg and I was the same when He Sung first came on screen. I was like, who is this douche canoe? Mm-hmm. Because this is not a spoiler. This is like v- very much in the beginning. He's in Japan and he has a lover in Japan. And he's like, oh, I got to go home and get married to this girl that like my parents promised me to. And it's, you know, it's our, our heroine, Go Shin. And so I'm like, "Ugh, this guy's the worst. But of course, no, he's not. Like his growth, like, wow. But that being said, I'm going to rescue Eugene, simply because, simply because I finally have a hero that I can call Opa. He's older than me, but also his smile, which we so seldom see, does something to me. Yeah, so, he has a good smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really does. So simply because I have to murder someone. Ugh, 
I'm sorry he sung, but you know what? I I love you. I do. Honey. But you're getting married. You're getting married to my two besties here, so you're gonna be fine. And of course, I'm gonna join you and like mate the shit out of Dong Mei and <laughs> and marry Cho Yujin. I'm so glad everyone is on the mate Dong Mei train. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and this is not a question that was written down, but I think you can ad lib this. How do you feel like the juxtaposition is of seeing Dong Mei then? you know, get represented as the kind-hearted, nerdy, wannabe priest, pediatric surgeon in the hospital playlist. Uh, okay, actually, no, I do have something to say about this. Okay, so, again, I watched Hospital Playlist first, Same. and Yu Yoon Suk is just, like, his character is very well-defined in Hospital Playlist. I mean, he he is a pediatrician that, you know, gives lollipops to little kids, and he's just such a marshmallow. And so the first time he came on screen as Dong Mei, I was like, no, like it, it took me, it took me maybe half an episode, which actually is pretty quick to stop seeing Yu Yun Suk from Hospital Playlist. And I really, that is a testament to his character because he really did completely transform into Dong Mei. And I, by the end, he was fully Dong Mei. Like I couldn't see any of the doctor mm -hmm. in him at all. Do you know what I mean? But it did take me a little bit only because he does have such a like a distinct like face and he's just this like mm -hmm. precious doctor. It was it so it was a little bit of an adjustment. But again, Yu Yun Suk, you killed it. You didn't, you know, acting was incredible enough to make me see you as the iconic Dong Mei. Yeah, it didn't take me long at all. Like I was nervous going into it because I was like, this is Dr. An Jung Wan, like this is not gonna this is not gonna happen. Right. And it totally did. And I think I mean all it took was like the first time he slashed somebody and blood sprayed on his face and he's just like, <laughs> What's up? You know, like so bloody. Yeah, so bloody. And like that was it. Well, Leah, you saw Mr. Sunshine first, right? Yeah, I did the reverse. So I had almost the same reaction, right. but in reverse of like how can this like sunny, precious doctor who wants to be a priest be my like right. dong mei like what is happening and yeah again he's such a good actor yeah. it took like half an episode and so neither of you have seen reply 1994 but what's interesting is i think that character he plays in 1994 weirdly straddles the line because he's very much like andreas from hospital playlist like very sweet but there's a couple times where he pulls out this intensity that is like straight he lets the dong, dong mei, mei out he lets the dong mei let out the dong and... mei out <laughs> 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 yeah absolutely and when that happened i was like oh i feel i feel the tingle the dong mei tingle here <laughs> so in my loins <laughs> in my turgid loins turgid. So without giving away any spoilers, what is one reason Mr. Sunshine should be on anyone's must-watch list? I'm going to mention her later in the spoiler section, but I can't get enough of her. Uh, Kudo Hina, she is the hotel owner that we mentioned at the beginning. So she is truly one of the best, most complicated female characters that I've ever seen in a drama. And the script took her exactly where I wanted it to. And everything about her character and storyline was incredibly satisfying. Yeah, she was fantastic. And if the bromance isn't enough to get mm -hmm. you to this and Hina's not, 
I'm just going to go with Kim Tae-ri as our heroine, Goetian. I've never seen her in anything before. This is my first Kim Tae-ri experience. And she is without a doubt, like one of the most captivating and magnetic women I've ever seen on screen. And she played this role with such unbelievable range and nuance. Like I just can't express how much I love her and want to watch her in everything that she does. Like, I mean, like all of these characters are going to live with me for a long, long time, but I just... I really, really loved Goetian a lot. Well, it's, it's so funny because I'm watching 2521 right now, and the character she plays, Nahito, in 2521 is just... <laughs> like, it's nothing, obviously, like Goetian. Right. And I don't even see Goetian in Nahito, like, at all. Like, I'm talking she completely transforms into this, like, high school fencer in 2521. And she even, she has to act pretty immature. She's, like, 19, and it's like incredible it's incredible she's amazing yeah i've also seen her in space sweepers where she plays like a very scrappy surly like junkyard spaceship pilot (laughs) and then she's also in the handmaiden yes it's the handmaiden and that is a very very erotic kinky weird awesome movie and so that really blew my mind when i saw her in that because like she gets down and she is not getting down in Mr. Sunshine. That's for sure. No one gets the cookie. Yeah. No one gets the cookie, but I was looking her up just to see what else she's done. And I think the handmaiden is one of the very first things that she did. I think it was her first thing. Yeah. She's so good. But I do, we do need to watch that at some point for the pod because first we've done some like, you know, male, male dramas. This is like a, has a, um, a female, female romance at its heart, that drama. And yeah, I will recommend it. It is not something that you want to watch if children could even be possibly. (laughs) It is very explicit. (laughs) I think that is a great segue to our K-pop wreck of the week. (laughs) So Stray Kids are back. Yay! Uh, So excited. I've been waiting for their comeback now for a while. And so, of course, I'm going to recommend their new single. So it's called Maniac. And oh, my God, it's interesting. Stray Kids songs always kind of need to grow on me. And I know they will. Like, I know I'm going to like it. And same, I heard Maniac like one time and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I like it. And now I now I can't stop watching all the content. It is in my head all the time like the chorus is in my head all the time i have been watching you know all the dance choreo lino for me is like killing this comeback for some reason i'm just really into him this comeback and yeah anyway it's great i'm so proud of stray kids because it's a great song it's a great video great choreography so yeah once again it's called maniac if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, Blow up your skin with K Merch Rex. Find all of our social media 
and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so we're now moving into the spoiler section. So if you have not watched Mr. Sunshine, and we really think you should, but look, if you're just like, hey, you know what? I am just not here for a drama that's a little sad or a lot sad or devastating. Stick around and listen to spoilers. Otherwise, this is where we'll leave you and come back again when you've watched it. And so at this point, you're either here because you want to be spoiled or you've watched the drama. So you both recently watched this. So I've been hanging on to this for a year and then I watched it again last summer. But this is new for you. In fact, Megan finished it last week and Amy finished it last night. And I know that this story is a lot to hold in your heart. And this is a safe space. So look, since I'm a friend, what do you need to get off your chest? A lot, apparently. So look, I knew Korean history as I was watching this. So as I watched this kind of like slow trickle of Japanese influence in the drama, I knew eventually it was going to be a tidal wave. And I said to Amy and Leah that watching Mr. Sunshine was a bit like watching the Titanic. I knew the boat was going to sink and I was just waiting to see who made it on the life raft. Knowing what came next for Korea in the history books really weighed heavy on my heart. As I watch this, you know, Japanese occupation would seek to eradicate Korean culture, you know, names, the language. So I guess the only thing that gave me some sort of like consolation was, you know, knowing that now Squid Game was one of the most popular shows on Netflix of all time and that BTS has the entire world singing Korean song lyrics. And that also, you know, really made me respect the resiliency of the Korean people. And I would say now, like, I'm proud to be a consumer of the country's content. And I am glad that I have a greater understanding of their history. So this drama did have some of my hard limits. There was torture and there was also kind of like the desecration of bodies. That was really hard for me to watch, but I also felt like I owed it to the people who went through this to watch because I knew that it really happened. And I guess I sort of felt like, you know, if I want to drool over Park So Jun's abs, then I need to suffer through the hard parts <laughs> of Mr. Sunshine. Very well put. Like, I agree. I feel like this is such important history that I didn't know well enough beforehand. And it makes me so appreciative of how far South Korea has come and how grateful I am that the Hallyu wave has taken the world by storm. And it helped to know the present as I dove into the painful past. But also, as far as getting stuff off my chest, how does Kim Eun-suk write three heroes or anti-heroes or whatever we want to call these men and make them so dynamic and so different, yet make me root for all three? The Mary Mate murder thing is fun, but like, honestly, I wanted some sort of happy ending for all three of these men, even though I knew it wasn't going to come. So I, I really appreciate that we got to see this part of Korea's history through three such distinct perspectives. A man torn between his birth country and the country to which he fled in Eugene. An aristocrat who could have chosen Easy Street but instead chose to fight with words with He Sung. And a man who swore off his homeland for the one trying to colonize it, only to be one of its biggest heroes at the end in Dong Mei. How does she not consider what she's done here as art? I'll never understand that. Don't you have something you want to get off your chest? Me? Mm -hmm. Sure. You know what? I do have something to get off my chest, but it's actually for someone else. Because we do have a lot of listeners who are invested and I've talked about 
Mr. Sunshine quite a lot because they held me and carried me when there was only one footprint on the sand. <laughs> oh my God, it's so <laughs> But one of them was Megan, absolute mommy, who is a friend of the pod. And she made the point and kind of reminded me of it recently that in this drama, everyone dies, including Josen. <laughs> and I think that that is a really interesting, you know, take on it. And, you know, I agree and I don't agree at the same time, because for me, I also feel as if Kim Tae-ri and her character, like Kim Tae-ri's character, I feel like really does represent that idea of homeland. And I felt like in some ways, that's why there's not a lot of there's romance and there's love towards her by these characters. But I also feel like it's very intertwined with their feelings of their connection to home, uh, their emotional boo-boos related to their homeland and the aspiration of like this ideal of what a country and what a place and what home can represent at its purest best form. And so the fact that she endures alone really does have power to me in that. However, I do take the point that Megan offers, which is at the end of this drama, she has endured and we know eventually like there is a lot of, you know, South Korea is a vibrant phenomenal country today however we know at the end of the drama even though there's this hopefulness that she's still there and still standing that they're going to go into some very dark times you know we have the colonization that's really going to you know do a lot of harm then we have world war ii happening then we have the dividing of the country then we have you know the war that happened and the economic devastation that came out of that so there are tough times that come for korea in the 20th century and so well at the end you have this powerful image of her standing there and in her power and you kind of know this like soul of the country is going to endure it really does hit hard when you know like they're still as hard as it feels by the end of the drama that like they've only just begun yep. how difficult it's going to be yeah i think having just read pachinko and like with Pachinko basically taking off from where, you know, Mr. Sunshine ends. Like Pachinko was a tough book. It was magnificent, but it was like a tough book because it does only get harder and only get more devastating what they go through before the country turns into what it is today. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we know the history, but knowing that history, like you said, Leah, like when you get to the end of the drama, you know that it's not the hopeful vision that it really is giving us there. I think too, for me as an American, I had to think about kind of like how we are taught our own history. And I really feel like when I was young, I believed that the good guys always won. And just because, you know, we're kind of taught, you know, we run the Revolutionary War and then we won, well, the, <laughs> we won the, the Civil War and then, <laughs> and then winners. <laughs> And then we beat Hitler. I mean, you know, I think that um, we're kind of fed that line, which is terrible because we weren't even the good guys when we came to this land. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we right. participated in the near purge of, of the Native Americans. And so, but it's still, as an American, I feel like the media we consume is kind of like America always wins. And I'm and I, I'm not saying that in necessarily a positive way, because right. I think we've done terrible things. But I just mean, I do feel like that is kind of how we're taught history when at least, you know, when I went to school in the, in the 90s. And so to watch the history of another country where they do not 
succeed in their plight to be independent from colonization is hard. And it makes me think about, you know, all the other countries that the same thing happened to and that I haven't paid attention to their history as well as I should. So I hope I'm saying that the right way. I think it just really opened my eyes, even at the age I am now to, you know, understand (laughs) the pay more attention to the history and not history that necessarily makes me feel good, but just the tough history. So how important do you think it was for this drama to have no happy ending? I think we've all been establishing that it couldn't end happily. That would not have been true to the time. And, you know, even, you know, with Kim and Sook saying that this is a commercial drama, you know, to uh, appeal to the viewers as entertainment, she's staying true to the time period as well. She's staying true to, you know, the history of her country. And to have this, like, you know, if there was like this, you know, romantic happily ever after at the end, I don't think I would have liked the drama, which goes against everything that I stand for. You know, I love my HEAs, but this is not a story that has an HEA. It's just getting started. You know, like we said, Mm -hmm. like the ending of this drama, while it is filled with hope, we know that stuff is just starting to happen again, you know, in South Korea, as far as like what's going to happen to that country and how much plight there's going to be before we get to today. Yeah, I agree. I think like I really think if the ending was like Eugene and Asian like running hand in hand through like a field of flowers, I would have been like, that's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. As much as I wanted that, right? I'm like, can they just and I I did like my heart. Can they just leave? (laughs) You know, my my heart was like he had a, a tiny little moment of like the the end of the silent sea where I was like, why does he have to go over there? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, but yeah. I'm like, no, like, this is how it has to end. Like, it would yeah. not be right for them to have a romantic happily ever after. Yeah, agreed. As though it, it hurt me. And yes, for being quite tragic, there is a lot of comedy in this drama, too. So what is a scene that made you smile? So for me, it was the running gag of Guansu and Ilshik getting mistaken for each other. <laughs> Since the actors Joe Woojin and Kim Byung Chul look so much alike, like I love how much K dramas lean into jokes like this. Like we talked about it with Reply 1988 with the running gag of No Ool looking old because the guy who played him was 11 years older than Duck Sun. And then they even like leaned harder into it when they flash forward and like he's played by like a 70 year old man when Duck Sun's only like, you know, in her 40s. It was really funny. And so, yeah, I like this running gag, like, that they're like, we know these two actors look alike. We're going to actually have one dress as the other one at one point and, like, you know, have Eugene get confused. Like, it was just, it was really fun and lighthearted and, like, some much-needed levity to what was going on in the drama. I actually, okay, so we can bring up Kyle Moore. <laughs> so okay. I actually... it's time. I actually really liked his character. I thought, I thought he was funny. <laughs> he kind of had that, like, arrogant american military presence like this kind of like you can't touch me i'm american like just uh, i was like i've seen that in every american movie made but yeah he was just he made me laugh i thought his like friendship with eugene was just really pure and precious and i like that but we do need to talk about his name yes please (laughs) because not only did we research history while we were watching this but we researched names because we're like kyle (laughs) So, I mean, Kyle was very popular in the 90s. Uh, And so we, but in the turn of the century, most of the names for, you know, like white men were going to be like probably biblical based, first of all. So you're talking like Matthew, 
not i mean henry isn't from the bible but i just mean that's another like you know <laughs> like the william prophet the prophet the henry, prophet henry. <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean like carryover from great britain like names you know names that yes. like, had more like british influence and stuff like that yeah like Moore's fine Moore is a fine last name but kyle in the turn of the century so we looked it up and the popularity at the time was of kyle was 0. 0.006 that's probably like two people. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's totally fine because, again, we give like this is a flawless drama except well, for because, Kyle. You know, in Hollywood, probably every Russian is named like Vlad. So, like, I, you know what I mean. So, like, I'm not. But that's a common. But the, I think what it is is that it's common. It was this that you right. picked a name that was kind of like such like a weirdly '80s fuckboy name, <laughs> right? Well. <laughs> Fun fact, if I was a boy, my name would have been Kyle. And I there was born go. in 83. <laughs> yeah. I would have been that 90s fuckboy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. it's okay. We forgive you, Kim Unsook, for naming him Kyle. It's funny. But I, I, just, I just liked him. I thought he was fun. And again, I thought he seemed to bring out the nice humor in Eugene, who was obviously like a very serious character. And I think for me, look, he sung when, like, when he's in the bar like they just keep having like the drinking scenes of them at the glory hotel and he's just like look help me to help you two freaking sour pusses like <laughs> not hate life so like you right. know like let's just like freaking hang out and have a drink and yeah. just like chill <laughs> and just like the fact that he just kept trying and the only thing that could unite Eugene and Dong Mei where they're like absolute annoyed frustration at Isan. And how they were going to kill him. Yeah, and how yeah. they were going to kill him. Who was going to kill him first? That was their, like their bonding. Even though they like, and they clearly could not stand him. And they clearly like had this weird affection for him. And look, problematic too, because Hisong's parents and grandparents were directly responsible for Eugene Choi's parents being murdered. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Hisong was completely guilt-free in that situation he was a baby in the womb but you know obviously he's coming from a place of privilege and that's again dong mei you know having been growing up as a you know a butcher's child which in the caste system that was there at the time was about as low in the caste system as you could be you know they both just like looked at him as he was part of that oppressor class but the great thing about he song that i just do want to like touch on at some point and so i guess now is the best time is that he does represent that reminder that even if you're born in privilege, not everyone has to be. It was able to like humanize the fact that, and I think that Aishin does this too, of you can be born in privilege and still see inequity and still see injustice and feel morally obligated to have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I loved that the very last drinking scene of them when Dongmei and Eugene actually like did cheers with him, he was so taken aback that he's like, wait, what? Like, you, you're not going to try and kill me? Like, he's like, we got to pour another shot and you got to cheer. We got to do like, he wasn't prepared for that. Like, he was so overwhelmed. And I thought it was so cute. Yeah, he's so cute. I just have to say, I, I do not understand butchers being on the low rung of society. If I, I, I under, I, th I, th I know it has to do with like blood and stuff. And I, I'm just like, dude, if I was a butcher, I'd just give everyone rotten meat. Like, fuck y'all. <laughs> i also I'm wonder one, like I'm, wait, the one, I'm the one i'm the one preparing your food i'm yeah, the, I, the reason you can eat meat you 
fuckers. Yeah, and tan- but I mean tanners, even in like Western society, were always on the lower totem pole. I know, like, which is, you know, yeah. It's me- that business of murder oh, slaughter. and meat and yeah. slaughter. No, it just made me angry. I was like, look, I respect my butcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> Okay, so what is a moment in this drama that will live in your mind rent-free? So Leah had, like, mentioned this scene, and it was as amazing as she made it out to be. So I will always, always think of the moment where Asian skirt brushes Dong Mei's hand. Like, holy hell. Like, the longing in his expression in that scene. Like, kill me now. Who knew the brush of silk on the back of someone's hands could, like, make me feel that much? And, like, aside from that, because, again, I was, like, waiting for that to happen because Leah told us about that. And it was everything that she told us and more. But also when he cuts off her braid, it's so tragic, but also from a place of such deep love as he is still trying to protect Asian by shaming her and trying to keep his, you know, his quote-unquote blackbird from flying. Like, I love that everything that he does, she doesn't, you know, quite get that it's out of love until... You know, obviously, until it's too late. But I just, I love that it's like that, you know, what they talk about in Goblin, that sort of sad love. Like, he knew Uh that he should never have hoped for anything like a love with somebody like her. But here he was. And, you know, and and he says that. He's like, you saving me, you gave me hope. And it's because of that hope that I'm doing this to you now. But it was all out of this sort of love of him knowing that she was risking everything for this country that he felt, you know, abandoned him and he still wasn't there yet with her. And then look, for me, both of those are really important. And I'm going to go with one that's pretty basic, but I think is basic and famous for good reason, which is the image that we see in a lot of the advertising for this drama. And it's the point where Eugene and Asian both realize that each other is the nighttime roof assassin. And they're in the American legation office and they both put their hands up in front of each the other's face because they recognize each other only by their eyes because they were both wearing masks as they were like rooftop assassins. And there's this moment where they're both standing there with their hands over the other's like lower half of their face. And you see that in a lot of the, you know, trailers and imagery from the drama. But it is just this very powerful moment of like, I don't trust you. You might be my enemy and like deep connection and that beginning recognition that there's like some sort of spark between them. Love it. Love it. Agree. It's an iconic image. So, okay. Which character arc fascinated you the most and why? So I mentioned her before, but it's definitely Kudo Hina, the hotel owner who is Korean, but she was married off to like a Japanese husband who then died and then she came back to Korea. So she has a Korean name as well as a Japanese name. Kudo Hina is her Japanese name. And I freaking loved her like down to my bones. She was strong and vulnerable and so smart. Oh my God. I felt like she just so cunning. And I remember messaging Leah early on in the drama and saying, look, I just really want Hina to like raise everything. Like she has this really shitty dad and you could tell she just she had been clearly traumatized. They never came out with it, but I think her husband had been abusive. And I also think she killed him, which again, they never come out and say that. But anyway, so Leah said cryptically to me, well, you might just get your wish. And and she was right. <laughs> so yeah, when Hina like blew up her hotel with all the like occupying soldiers inside, I, I mean, I really, I cheered. I just, 
she just she did it man she's just like i'm done i'm gonna leave my mark before i leave i don't know if there's anything better than hina blowing up her hotel but i do want (laughs) i do want to give a shout out to even though i murdered him i'm gonna give a shout out to he sung because i do think he his character that was mine what that was gonna be mine sorry it's okay i'm just saying that he had like he had tremendous growth like you know like and that's like he goes from this like total privileged fuck boy to a guy running an underground newspaper to spurn on the resistance and i was so proud of him at the end yeah just echoing that with a slow clap i love the idea of him being this like fop who has been born with a diamond spoon in his mouth his grandpa had given him a watch where he'd like sold off tenant farmers land and destroyed their lives to be like here's a watch and we see that being the first gleam that maybe he realizes shit's messed up in this situation because his grandpa's like here's this watch i really want you to go to japan and have this gold watch and meanwhile we see these like poor peasants who are like dude you just sold my farm and destroyed my entire family's livelihood to sell it to buy this watch and grandpa's like whatever you're like not even human and he sounds like huh like (laughs) i have like filial piety and this shit seems bit whack and so when he comes back there's a big reckoning for him because i really loved the fact that when he comes back he realizes the fiance that he's basically been bailing on is amazing and is like oh shit like that's what i've been missing out on And then he really realizes, like, she is not going to be into him. And when he realizes that, he, like, respects it. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. Like, he still loves her, but he, like, respectfully, while Dong Mei's coming from this place of, like, toxic, yearning, emotional boo-boo, you know, like, unhealthy, obsessive love, you know, He Sung has this, I don't know, he's such a man about it. He's like, I love this woman, and, like... There's other stuff going on that I have to prioritize and she doesn't love me. Yeah. And to be able to like respect a woman like that, I don't know. It was just so sexy. Mm -hmm. His character was so well written and played so, so amazingly by Bjorn Johan. Like, poof. And I'm not going to get into his death later. So I just want to touch on it here quickly. Is his death was a perfect end to him because he dies being tortured brutally And not giving up, like, journalistic sources and things like that. And, like, there was the camera he'd been taking pictures of, you know, um, war crimes. But he's, like, making jokes as they beat him. And that's, like, how he goes out. Is still, like, having this, like, joy and hope and love of life up until they, like whatever, like, take a log and, like, bash him in the face with it or whatever they did. I have to admit, that scene, I was mad at you. I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this. I cannot believe I'm freaking watching this. I'm so angry. I cried so hard, but mm-hmm. it's okay. It's okay. I just felt like for his arc, it was no, so you're horrific. Right. Yeah. But he went hard. out. I guess they all went out on their own terms in some yes. way. And that is really powerful. And so his. He knew. Like, he knew they yeah. were coming for him. He buried all of his stuff. He gave his camera to his assistant. And yeah, I mean, I just like he was ready for it. He's like, yep, it's me. You're right. Yeah, they all took a last stand knowing it was their last mm-hmm, stand. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them. And it was all true to their character, and his was to meet it with a smile. Mm-hmm. Which broke right. me. You're right. Yeah. Ugh. So pivoting from that, like, whose death broke you the most? So, again, I- I'm sorry. I'm really hung up on 
Kudo Hina. I'm just, I'm just hung up on her. And as much as I loved the guys, she just, I don't know, there was just something about her that just really grabbed my heart. So after she blew up her hotel, obviously she was physically damaged. Like she was not going to uh, survive that. She had a lot of, of wounds and injuries. And so Dong Mei took her to the ocean uh, near where her mother was buried. And I just cried so hard. You know, Dong Mei's walking with her on his back by the ocean and she's like gasping, you know, her last breaths. And when she died, he like, he knew she died. Like he, he knew she had taken her last breath and he was just like, it's okay. Just rest. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep walking. And he calls her her Korean name. And he calls her her Korean name. When I tell you I dehydrated myself, like I was whimpering, whimpering. It hurt. It physically hurt me. She was just a badass character who definitely defined Han for me because she had all these like she had all these identities and and some of them had been lost and she was trying to regain them again. She was she was trying to look for her mother, you know, the whole way through. She had a shitty father. I mean, she was Japanese, Korean. She was a hotel owner, a, a wronged daughter. I adored her. And in the end, her death felt appropriate for her. It was respectful. And in the end, I thought she was at peace. What did you think of her love for Dong Mei? I kind of didn't realize until like the end, you know, how much she loved him. But I... Neither did he. (laughs) Yeah, neither did he. But I also kind of love that about her because she loved without expecting anything back. And to do that is like incredibly mature and also incredibly hard but she had already been through so much in her life that I almost felt like she didn't want the rejection I think she was just happy to like to love someone and have it be that does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah I mean her death was I think one of the most poetic deaths in the drama Mm -hmm. I don't know that any one death like hit me because I mean there's so many deaths there's, oh, I there's so I mean even <laughs> everyone like, dies. <laughs> everybody dies. Like Asians maid and servant at the end when they're like everybody's protecting her and they try to hold each other's hands. Like oh that oh, scene yes. was so. Ugh. But I think one I think one of the hardest things to watch like you're talking about like desecration of bodies mm-hmm. was after Dong Mei has his last stand. He's like I know I'm I'm going down. He's like but I'm gonna slash as many people with my sword as i can and then when you see them dragging his body through the street and then you see like you see them dragging his body through the street and then you see like the dead dong may like sort of watching from above and mm-hmm. kind of like nodding like yep this is how it's supposed to go and then yeah. him like being at peace as well like that was hard right so amy i do really appreciate that yeah, you touched on that moment with Dong Mei because I thought that that final moment of the Yakuza gang just walking off, like, you know, into the afterlife as, you know, you see the body of Dong Mei being dragged in one direction and then them walking in the other side. Yeah. It really gave some nobility to a very desecrating situation. And then I do want to touch on a character we haven't given just because of the nature of, you know, doing a podcast that can't last all night. You know, we're not touching on so many amazing characters. And one of the characters is Gunnar Jang who this was the first time I'd ever seen this character in a drama. He is now in my heart completely as Teki's dad from Reply 1988. <laughs> but in this, he plays a young boy who during the American like brief skirmish that happened in the 1870s on the Han River, like he, his dad dies as they're like trying to defend this fort. And Wait, hold on real quick. Do you know that his dad is Don Lee from Train to Busan? Oh my 
just God, FYI. No, I did not put that. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I mean, like, okay. I watched Train to Busan, I think, even after watching yeah. Mr. Okay. And this is Choi Musung, also we're talking about here. Like, when yeah. you say the actor's name, so, too. Yeah, so Choi Musung. So he, you know, as a young boy, like, he basically is like, F all this. Like, I'm out. But then he becomes this, like, sharp-suiting sniper who ends up being the mentor to our heroine, Aishin. Yet... I thought the rebels were interesting because there was an understanding that the status quo was corrupt and had some like inherent evilness to it, which we saw being portrayed with things like the casual cruelty of killing Eugene's parents, the slaves, you know, what happened with Dong Mei's mom getting like raped as a butcher's, you know, like they were just seen as garbage. And so there's this idea that, you know, things are not perfect in our society. And yet this is still our home and like our responsibility to fix it. Which is really, like, an interesting thing for the, like, it was much richer for the Rebels, I feel like, than the text we might have. Like, you touched on the American War and some of, like, what we'll see in the Revolution, which in actuality was quite complicated, but often is presented as this idea of, like, freedom and, like, we're going to defend our homeland when it was a lot more murky. Like, motivations were much murkier than that. And so in this, I thought the Rebels had, like, there was some murkiness. That all being said, Gunnar Jang eventually goes out in this like kind of like suicidal bomb attack where, I don't know, I feel like he'd been such a cynical character in so many ways and eventually has to like sacrifice himself for Josen, even though Josen had like fucked him too. Mm -hmm. And just so powerful, Mm -hmm. I thought. And he just plays, he just is such a good... What's the, I always pronounce the word wrong. I always want to say it's Sunder, but it's Sundere. 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 He's like the epitome of a Sundere character Mm -hmm. in this. And the fact that he has kind of like a DL lady on the side that is in the pottery studio that we don't really like see much of. And then we see she gets murdered too, because like, obviously no one can be happy in this drama. (laughs) Hmm. But yeah, he really got to me. Obviously he sung got to me. And then- You know, because we're just, I feel like Mr. Sunshine himself, Eugene Choi. Can we say the actor's name? Because we haven't mentioned, you know, Lee Byung-hun. So let's just like, we haven't said his name this whole time. Like, sorry, we're just calling him Mr. Sunshine. (laughs) So he, I feel like he is kind of like the straight, like he has a freaking tragic backstory and he is a very nuanced character and he holds the whole drama together. And I, Still know that I said I would murder him. And I guess, like, you know, my catnip is talking about, like, the he sung and his, like, noble arc or Dong Mei's emotional boo-boos. I mean, you know, Eugene has his own certain emotional boo-boos for sure. And his death, I felt like I didn't know how he was going to go out. At that point, I was like, he's he's clearly going out. Every, everyone's yes, going out. everyone's going so, out. So, like, when's his moment? And when he had his one bullet, you know, there's, oh. like, some shit. And I just love that his one bullet was used with such wisdom and to such grand effect. Uh, mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. It was good. I mean, I cried. I but, love yeah. that they have like, they have like a framing of like that, like where he used his one bullet to save him and Asian before. Mm-hmm. And then he uses his one bullet now to save her and sacrifice himself for it. But take out like a train load yeah, of Yeah, take out a train load of him. Japanese soldiers. Like, ugh. It was very train to Busan for me. It was very, you know, like this, this yeah. sort of noble Fucking end. Trains. Yeah, I know. Yeah, tra- yeah. Sacrifice on a sacrifice train. Sacrifice on mm-hmm. a train is going to get me every time. <laughs> so I guess I'm trying to think of like what else really. Yeah, I think. Well, I think it's hard because. This is not a drama we could ever we be could done We could cover with. so much. 
Yeah, I feel like like Reply 1988, we could talk about this drama for so many episodes, but I feel like we talked about maybe the emotional high and low points. <laughs> okay, here's what I want to end on is the discussion that I absolutely respect people who don't want to watch this drama because it doesn't come with an ETA. I really understand the need, the fundamental need that some people just have is like, a like I just need to have my dramas end happily right now, especially given the period of time that we're in in the world. Mm -hmm. And I also, as much as I like stand behind a good HEA, you know, when I go back and forth of like, is this my favorite drama? Is this, you know, in some ways it is, but I always like, it's kind of like this caveat beyond because like, it makes me feel all these emotions that I think are so important to feel, but like good, is not one of them? And so then yeah. it becomes like, what makes, is this like my favorite drama? Because this isn't going to be my go-to, like, yes, I will watch it again at some point. Yes, I will like savor moments of the drama, but it's not like, man, I just want to like tuck in tonight with some Mr. Sunshine and just like cozy up to like. It's just not the thing. Yeah. So I guess that becomes like, you know, with entertainment sometimes, this is not a good analogy, but I feel like it's just like occurring to me right now. But, you know, it's like when you watch something that's set in like World War II with like a Holocaust theme. So no, I'm not comparing this, although there's like potentially maybe some genocidal attributes that could happen with the Japanese colonization and erasure of identity that was happening with the Korean people. But it's that same kind of feeling of sometimes you just should bear witness yes. to very difficult points in human history. Because if we don't bear witness and bear witness from the point where we're engaged in all those deep emotional places, then we're bound to just keep repeat. And I mean, that's why we probably just keep fucking up and repeating the same mistakes over and over is because we kind of just like forget and remove. And that's where history can be really challenging because it's often told by the side of the winners. We very rarely get the common people's perspectives and things. We rarely get the stories on the ground that shape things. They just become these like random dates that just kind of happened. And even this has been reduced to that in many ways for us here in America. And this only happened, like Megan said, like a hundred, in 20 years ago right. like not long like when we were born our like great grandparents were like alive during this at least mine were you know i had great grandparents that were born like 1899 hmm. so yeah it's like this is not a far off distant past and i guess it also just made me realize um, like as we continue to like do dramas that are related to korean culture and korean society to just really always be mindful of the fact that packed in so much of like the fun and the lightness or like the critique I have of capitalism and kind of like the love of capitalism that sometimes comes out and things that we see from like K-pop to some aspects of drama watching is this is a nation that has been through so much and continues to go through much so much just because there's still like the divide and I think to just like keep that in like my mind is like a respectful place of just, um, you know, the past is yeah. not past. I mean, I, I see what you're saying about the, the drama. I would say that there were some episodes, I would say the last few episodes were extremely painful. And I was like, again, a little mad at you because it was just painful. But I did feel like I needed to bear witness to it. And I needed to understand, you know, what people of the country had gone through. So I'm glad it was one of those dramas where I'm so glad I watched it. And I do feel like I came out a better person. Like, I do think that there were like lessons. There were, I don't know another word for lessons that I'm trying to, to say. But yeah, I came out a better person is what is what I I'm going to keep going back to, to Kim Moon Suk, like, you know, calling what she does, like, you know, commercial entertainment, because 
like what you're both saying, like we are bearing witness to this part of history from the perspective of the people who were in it rather than, you know, like Leah said, like history is always told by the victor. And for us, for us, history is told by, you know, white people who write textbooks for, you know, public schools and stuff like that. Like, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So we are not seeing it through a Western lens. We are not seeing it through a, you know, a white lens. Like we are, you know, maybe it's commercial entertainment, but it is commercial entertainment that has put us into a perspective that we would not get otherwise. We would not get this in a history class. We wouldn't get it like this. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the romance of it is sensationalized and, you know, maybe, you know, obviously like the humor, like the fact that we've got all that going on. Sure. That part is entertainment, but for the most part, like you're both saying, like we are better for having experienced this because there's no other way that we're going to get the story the way that we did. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, if we're going to talk about the romance for me, the romances always felt more symbolic. Oh, of course. Than actually relationship E, and that was okay. I I liked that, but to well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a romance either. It'd be fine if it was, but that's that's not the way this drama. I think it would have led us off too easy. Yeah. I think it would have led us off mm-hmm. too easy to have had HEAs, yeah. and I think also it hits extra interesting because being American. I appreciate being able to watch another country's depiction of American yep. policies that have affected yes. them in some way and have it from a critical mm-hmm. lens. And when it comes to something like Korea, I mean, yeah, we've had our fingers like fucking around in Korea for a long time. And I didn't actually realize how far back it went. I didn't realize that it went back into like the 1870s where they were trying to push their way in for trade relations yeah. and things like that. And so, yeah, I appreciate just also sometimes, like you said, like we get often when you're in this country, and I mean, we have a lot of our listeners are in the US, but a lot are not. I feel like we are often just fed these narratives of like, we won, we did this, we did the righteous, yeah, whatever. that is what we're fed. And it's never really, it's never, it's never all, black and I mean, white like that. No. Never. And so again, yeah, I just think it's very helpful sometimes for like a cultural humility standpoint mm-hmm to look at how our country's being portrayed by another country. And especially if it's the lens is like yeah. somewhat critical. hundred percent. So we did a podcast that was about as long as the drama and we hope you're still with us. And really I'm so thankful Megan and Amy that you finally agreed to watch it. And I truly mean that. And I truly am happy that you enjoyed it as much yes. as you can enjoy a yes. drama like this, that it impacted you. When I've done a drama, I like to sit with it a little bit and then kind of look back, like, what was my overall impression? And I will actually say my overall impression, the longer I am, like, away from finishing it, is actually really positive. I actually don't remember as much of, like, the painful scenes as much. I actually, oddly enough, look back on it fondly with hope with kind of like beauty of the the production the characters the heart of it so for me i you know i really look fondly on mr sunshine i truly do and i'm glad i watched it yeah i mean i I, it's it's incredible 
It's in my top five. One, one thing too. Sorry, one last thing. At the very end, when the kind of like core rebel groups are like kind of hiding in that like wood area and they're like talking and later like the Japanese find them. I don't know if this is like intentional because you know, like the Japanese flag at the time was kind of almost like a starburst or like, you know what I mean? It had like the sun's rays on it. It's like the red. The rising sun with the red. Yeah, yeah. The rising sun. There's one scene where they're like talking and above them is the sun shining through the trees and it creates an like a like a rising sun like that starburst just like the japanese flag and i wonder if that was intentional because it really i really noticed it and the definitely the camera like panned out it was almost like they're there talking but japan's kind of like it's they're there they're there they're they're there and they're watching and they're coming right they're everywhere. I don't know, look at it if anyone Oof, gets yeah. to that scene but it's actually really noticeable and i wonder if they did that on purpose and if they did that's also like incredible cinematography yeah we didn't even get to talk about the cinematography in this like this drama is just gorgeous like if anything watch it just for the visuals like i yeah i can't even, mm-hmm. there's so much there's we'll never get to it all there's so much and we have to wrap this up because it's gonna take you <laughs> i know so. right <laughs> So thanks for coming on this ride with us, everybody. Yeah, thank you. And we hope you check it out. And if you you need to talk about it, just slide in our DMs, okay? You know where to find us. You know where to find us. (laughs) Okay. Annyeong! Kamsamnida! Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!